Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Hey everyone, this is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Welcome to the Euro K Mental Fitness Studio. I would like to thank our sponsors, Ned Siegfried, Luke Peterson, and Todd Bradford with Siegfried and Jensen, Mark Richards with Wasatch Recovery, Colby and McKenzie with Thread Wallets, Drew Peterson with First Digital, Greg Jackson with Mountain West Spine and Orthopedics, and Travis Whitaker, the owner of Living Recovery Interventions. And also, I'd like to give a shout out to Paul Cardall. The music that you hear at the beginning and the ending of these episodes is by Paul Cardall. He's an amazing person, and he's been one of my heroes for years. So thanks to all my sponsors and Paul Cardall for believing in me. I love you guys so much. Please enjoy this next episode. Welcome back, everyone. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for tuning in. As I always say, you guys are fantastic. It's because of you that we're trending on Apple and Google Podcasts, and we're ranked in the top 100 in mental health, and that just kind of blows my mind. But it's not because of me. It's because of you and also because of the amazing guests I have on. And boy, you guys are in for a treat today. Today we're joined by D Marble. D, thanks for being here today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I can't wait for everyone to hear your story, D. You know, D, um, he owns uh, Marble Equine Healing with Horses. He's he's the equine master, I would say, in my opinion. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he wouldn't say that, but I would. Um, D, also, we're we're coming live right now at Wasatch Recovery. We've actually actually have hired D for the last couple of years, and he comes and does equine therapy with our residents once a month. And he actually comes now a few times a month to to run a group for us. and And I got to be honest, you're one of the best people I've ever seen run a group. Well, um, thank you. You are. I mean, a lot of people will say, "Man, you you got to be psychic. How did you know this about me?" and <laughs> And D can get right to the core issue with a person faster than anyone I've ever seen. And it's, it's really, truly inspiring to watch. Thanks. And without fail, every client that has an experience with you say, man, D is tough. He got to the point, but boy, he really opened my eyes that I needed to see what I needed to see. It's truly a, a, a beautiful thing that you do, D. Well, I feel like <clears throat> I've been given a gift to be able to do that. Wow. I, I really believe that. I, I, you know, I have a firm belief in a higher power in God. And, and I believe that the God I believe in definitely wants people to heal and wants them to be okay. And without getting to the issues, you don't get okay. Exactly. No. And again, thanks for sharing that. Yeah. A little more background on D. He has a degree in a, and he's certified in substance abuse counseling and specialized, like we said, in equine therapy. He has over 10 years experience and a lifetime of knowledge in healing with horses. D dedicates his time and knowledge and resources to helping others. He works with all ages, servicing ranging from individual riding lessons to offering counseling and healing with horses to rehab centers like he, like he does here at Wasatch uh, for clients who are suffering with substance abuse 
and D has quite the story. And, and what I love about you too, D, is you're an open book. You're not afraid to talk about the tough things that you've been through. And, and so I'm grateful for you today. And it's truly an honor to have you here. Thank you. Yeah. It's an honor to be here. Well, why don't we start to tell us a little bit about your childhood and where you grew up. I grew up in a little town west of Tremont, Utah, and it's called Bothwell. I actually get the <laughs> pleasure to live in the house that I was born in. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. It's I didn't the, know that. Yeah, and it's a house that my grandfather built. Okay. My dad was also born there. Um, Dang. I. You know, I, and some people, when I tell my story, wonder a little bit, but it was also the brother, the house that my brother committed suicide in. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's something special about being tied to your heritage yeah. and being tied to the people who are part of your story. Yeah. And it's a real blessing. I uh, spent the first 27 years of my life working in business. I've okay. always had a love for horses um, from yeah. the time I was real young, and uh, they've helped me, and so I use them to help others. I use them more as a vehicle to get to issues than anything else. Um, yeah. Horses can tell us a lot about people, but yeah, I didn't always work with horses in the middle of my addiction. At one time, I had around 15 horses and uh, did something with them almost daily in the middle of my addiction. I sold all my horses. Um, yeah. My wife being inspired um, somewhere around a couple of years before I finally got clean, I came home from detox and treatment. Um, she gifted me a big red horse and uh, really? we ended up calling him Big Red. <laughs> Nice. And uh, he was the start of growing my horse herd back. And um, I've had up to 20. Now I'm down to 10 right now just because of expenses. But Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. And of all things, I grew up raising turkeys. My father was in the <laughs> turkey business. Really? <laughs> and uh, we learned how to work. Yeah. Um I think that's one of the reasons I was able to work through addiction is I knew how to work. Yeah. Uh, what a what a gift that is, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And work's still part of my salvation. My wife yeah. and family would tell you that I don't spend much time sitting around because <laughs> right. I find when my hands are busy, my mind is quiet. Yeah, and totally. so I do still work a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I think all of our childhood is not without trauma. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I uh, went into treatment thinking, uh there's nothing traumatic about my life. Everybody goes through stuff like I've went through. But as I've listened to people's story, I've found out that that's not always yeah. the case. And yeah. uh, and I I one of my earliest traumas as a little child, around four or five, if I watched my mother fall off of a. 20 foot high water tank and hit her head oh man and um she act we were home alone um we were actually filling this water tank to go water turkeys and 
she laid there for, as a kid, it was, I know it had to be close to 15, 20 minutes, and I thought she was dead. Yeah. And I ran back Jeez. and forth to the road and and alone, and finally she did wake up, and we went and into the house, but I've never thought of that as, I, I was just part of what we go through, right? Yeah, right not yeah. a big deal. Um, you know, they're finding, part of my story as I've looked back, they're finding tra trauma can happen even in the womb. If, yeah. a, if a mother's under stress or stuff, then, then that sets up our brain to be stressed yeah. early. Um, yeah. As a two-year-old, I guess mom and dad were really busy, and I uh, found a red ant pile as a two-year-old uh -huh. and played in it. <laughs> My mother said I screamed for 10 days. I bet you did. And there was nothing they could do. And uh, wow. I don't know if that probably set up my brain to be a little stressed all the time, but you don't know. You don't know. How and old were you when that happened? Two years old. Two. Yeah. Yeah. And I've had, I put my foot, didn't, didn't realize it on top of a ran ant pile, didn't realize it. Uh, and I had flip flops on, didn't think of it. And all of a sudden I felt this excruciating oh. pain and I looked down and it was like as if 10 of them bit me at the same time. And my foot was swollen and red for weeks, yeah. so I can't imagine what your body was like at a, you know as a yeah. two year old. And I really don't have any lasting memories of that. I don't even yeah. have a phobia of ants. But <laughs> right, um, but yeah, for all those listeners that think trauma, I don't have any. I, I think for each of us, trauma is different. Yeah, and so. Judging yeah. trauma, I don't judge it. Yeah. I don't judge it for others and I don't judge it for myself. For sure. I just kind of tell my story. Yeah. Um, my dad was really successful in my young life, but in uh, when I was 12, uh, he basically went broke. Mm -hmm. We had to sell everything. Uh, dad went through a lot of depression and... and uh, that changed things. Then uh, definitely was a harder part of life. Being around a family that's financially stressed is hard. And Which is also traumatic. It is. Right? It, it is. And then yeah. uh, part of that stress, my brother decided to become a ballet dancer, which was not part of our family system right yeah and uh within by the time i was 15 um he was a good ballet dancer had offers around the country and come home um and ended up committing suicide and uh i actually remember the day it was a sunday we had stopped at my cousin's house. It was her birthday. And uh, after we got on our way home, something said to me, You'll, your brother will be dead when you get home. Really? You just knew? Yeah, I knew. And wow. when I got home, I ran in the house, run down the stairs, and there was my brother. And he had shot himself. And uh, oh my that was 
tough. But I, some of my codependency, I used to introduce myself as a codependent and an addict. Uh And my codependency, I think, started in that cycle. Um, Because I remember thinking, I got to take care of my parents. I was the youngest. Mm -hmm. I was home with them. Uh, All the rest of the kids were married and gone. And uh, so I started this cycle of taking care of people. And it's yeah. not always been the best for me. Boy, it has yeah. led to a lot of good things as sure. well, yeah. like everything else. But yeah. um, it also led me down a difficult road. Um, when your brother had taken his life, was this before your addiction? Yeah. yeah well, so that's only when I was 15 years old. Okay. And I hadn't started using. I had suffered from kidney stone from the age of 12. And... Being a kid growing up and having pain where people don't talk and my parents didn't talk about anything, especially when it had to do with sex. And so I didn't tell them. I ended up in the hospital at 16 for the first time, got a shot of Demerol. Mm. And I remember thinking, yeah, this is cool. (laughs) This feels good, yeah. And then in my 20s, they got real bad after I got married. I got married at 19. We started having kids the next year, and then actually we spent almost 10 days that year with me in the hospital with kidney stones. And that, again, started that cycle. I really didn't start using a lot of pain pills till I was in my mid-20s, but the time yeah. I was in my mid-30s, my addiction had gone crazy. Yeah. Um, I uh, sp- had a couple of years where I didn't ha- use any, but um, like a lot of people's story, in my mid-30s, the doctors that were trying to figure out my kidney stone stuff said there's this new drug that just came out called Oxycontin. And oh it's not yeah. supposed to be addictive, so let's just put you on a maintenance dose of Oxycontin. Yeah. And I remember that first Oxycontin I took, I knew I was history. Wow. And it uh, about destroyed my life, my marriage, and um, I'm really grateful that I found some really good people along the way to help me through my addiction and help me get out from under the chains of addiction. Yeah, um, I might want to tell our listeners, uh, Tucker's with us today as well. It's uh, Dee's dog. <laughs> so if you so, hear him panting and, and whining a little bit, uh, that's who you're hearing. <laughs> yeah. So you, how so? How many years then were you in your addiction? Would about you say, 15. About 15. Yeah. Okay. Um, and really, um, I spent probably eight or nine, seven, eight years um, using a lot, hiding it, um, mm-hmm. uh, doing whatever it took. But about seven of it was trying to get sober, yeah. trying to get clean. Yeah. I uh, finally uh, got arrested. Um, yeah, talk about that. That was quite I, the scene. Yeah, I heard, it was. Right? I, I went to church. Um, church has always been part of what I did. Mm-hmm. And I went to church one day and a friend of mine says, man, I know what you've been going through. I had a kidney stone last week and 
I didn't hear anything other than he's got pain medicine at home. Mm. And so I left church, <clears throat> broke into his house, found some pain medicine. His wife and daughter were home. Mm. Um, he reported me. Uh, when I got back to church, the sheriff came and hauled me out of church in handcuffs. And in, the, in front of the whole congregation? Uh, there was quite a few people there. Wow. Uh, especially some of the boy scouts that I've worked with over the years Man. and stuff. So it was, wow. it was pretty traumatic. Um, I, more traumatic on my wife, you know. Yeah. My wife, a uh, few years after I got sober, um, she says, you know, Dee, I just want to tell you this, and, and it's part of her healing. Mm -hmm. But she said, you know, everything we've been through, you've went through high, but I've had to go through sober. And yeah. it really hit me what I've Boy. put my wife through. And yeah. she talked a little bit about the day I got arrested at church, and she didn't know what to do. I was on some medications. She was scared that I'd be in jail without my meds. Yeah, um, right. Just all of the fears and not having, luckily we had a lot of family support. She was able to call some family, but she, had, she didn't sign up for somebody right. to marry somebody that got arrested. Yeah. She'd never even thought that that might happen yeah right it doesn't cross your so, mind when you no no and, and you have kids at this point correct? yeah we have how did how did, how did, how did I, they handle that i we haven't talked a lot about it but okay. it was traumatic yeah. and especially for the younger ones and um i have offered all my children to help them at any time that i would mm -hmm. even pay for counseling some of them have availed that some of them haven't, but yeah, yeah. it was really traumatic. Um, yeah. So, wow, traumatic on all of us. So, is that was that a wake up call for you yeah, at that, that moment, or that, did you still continue I to struggle? I continued to struggle for about a year after that, mm -hmm. but finally, um, by the grace of God, and starting to use some of the tools that I've been blessed with. Mm -hmm. um, Getting on the right meds at the time helped. Yeah. Um, using the tools I'd learned at the rehabs I'd been to. I've only I completed two rehabs. That's all I went to. But I knew the tools and I never used them. So yeah, I started right. using them. One of the biggest thing is I uh, relapsed through the summer of the last year I used. Mm -hmm. And finally, I was sitting on, the, on a bench watching um, snowmobile races, of all things. <laughs> Our company that I was president of uh, sponsored snowmobile races on our sod farm. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sitting there, and I realized that nine out of the last 13 years of my youngest son life he'd celebrated his birthday with me either in detox or in treatment man and i said this will not happen again yeah so i reached out to some doctors a counselor and i just got honest frankly i'm using again 
I don't want to be using. Will you help me detox? I'm going to start employing the tools. I started counseling again. I, uh-huh. I did about seven years of counseling. I started a weekly and worked down uh, once every two weeks. But yeah. I needed to do a lot of counseling because yeah, right. there's the tra- trauma of early life or of life in general. But then there's the trauma that most of us go through in our middle of our addictions. Right. And, and I think doing things against our value system are ex- is extremely traumatic to ourselves, to our spirits. And whether you had early trauma or not, the trauma of use is extreme yeah for everybody and for a lot of people it's even worse than i had it and so learning to get back congruent with my values was the start yeah you know just being the man that yeah i knew i could be yeah and i think you know you put out a good point there d it's it's getting back to the basics, if you will. Like with the clients that come through here, I'm always like, I, I talk about four principles. Be honest, have integrity, be accountable, help people. If you become obsessed with those four things, make that something that you will not falter from. That's, like you said, that's the start of changing your life. Absolutely. Right? And Absolutely. I know that's kind of how you live yeah. your thing. Yeah, Yeah, and, and, and that, is hard um yeah (laughs) being honest after years of lying is hard it's and if anybody out there thinks well i'm just struggling with that that is really hard and uh, one of the things that helped me is one of the i had this thought i'm i'm gonna start living without regrets and i'm just gonna Mm. go by day by day yeah because i have it all these piled up regrets and I spent a lot of time ruminating over these regrets and so I started this plan that if I do something against my values I'm going to either call and apologize or make it right by the end of the day so at least tonight I can go to bed without regrets because sleep was always a struggle for me I got to tell you since I got clean i have slept almost every night now for 16 years and that to me is a miracle yeah i mean that is a miracle but part it started with okay today i'm just gonna live without regrets i'm if i lie i'm gonna call somebody and say hey i lied to you i'm sorry if if i did something I'm going to apologize. And so yeah. I started that process in, yeah. in the early stages. Yeah. It took a lot of yeah. doing, I'll tell you that. <laughs> there was um, a long list of uh, amends you had to make, at, right? At the end of the day, yeah. yeah. But, but what a powerful thing when you make that amends. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I would imagine most of the people you made the amends with was accepting of it. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. In the middle of my addiction, Todd, I um, was very fortunate that I never 
found heroin. Um, yeah. I was really, really close a uh, mm -hmm. number of times. Yeah. But I would, people knew me in the valley I lived in. Um, people knew and trusted me. I, I took way advantage of that trust. But I started um, going into people's homes and looking through their medicine cabinets and, uh, yeah. and or whatever and just taking pain pills somehow i rationalized that that would, was okay but <laughs> yeah anyway that's what addiction does to your brain yeah but it, i've had to make amends to a lot of people and and i should rephrase that i have had the gift of making amends yeah. to a lot of people yeah and funny story one day i was in a little restaurant in town um and a person walked in that i'd been in her house and i followed her out and i said to her i said i need to ask you to forgive me for something in the middle of my addiction i went into your house and stole pain pills she was very kind. Yeah, and yeah. I walked back into the restaurant because I'd left my donut on the counter. <laughs> and another person walked in. And I, I had promised that I would start making these amends. And so I followed him out and I said, can I follow you home? I need to talk to you and your wife. And I followed him home, and I went in. His wife um, w had cancer. Mm. Uh, at the time I went into their house, she was in remission. Um, and, but fast forward five years, she's now um, in full-blown cancer and isn't yeah. going to live very long. Wow. And I told them I'd been in their home, that I'd taken pain medicine. And he says to me, he says, you know, I turned in my neighbor for doing the same thing, and she ended up doing time. I had coached his son in Little League football. Yeah. We had a relationship, and he forgave me, forgave me, and she forgave me. A year later, she's no longer... On. If I would not have followed him home, yeah, right. I wouldn't have had that opportunity to make amends. There's still some amends as I've got to make, but you know, when you spend years in addiction, you stack a lot of stuff up, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. And I'm still working on that, but yeah. when I get the opportunities, I try to take it. Yeah, I so love that. I, I love that. And everybody that I've made amends to has been very accepting and, and kind and loving. Yeah. I have found even, you know, when I had to make my amends as well is most people, if not every one of them were very just forgiving and kind and compassionate. And I think that's what they're looking for more than anything. Yep. They're not there to try to drop the hammer on you. It's they want to drop the hammer on you when we keep lying and, and ignoring it. Uh, but when yep. we own it and say, Hey, I stole from you. I mean, that's, 
it's funny because you know, knowing you now, I can't picture you doing that. But that's what addiction does. <laughs> oh, it you does. do stuff you would never normally do. You would. You know. Yeah. I can't yeah. picture you rummaging through someone's house, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so you 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 get cleaned up. You're you're starting on this path. You're making amends. When did you realize you wanted to maybe help people? And with, you know, and obviously incorporating equine therapy, talk a little bit about that and why equine therapy is actually so effective. And then we'll get into more of your gift that we mentioned earlier. I uh, have always loved horses. Like I said, I yeah. I got rid of them in the middle of my addiction. I, I was fortunate enough to go to treatment and met two fellows, the Beck brothers from down in Spanish Fork, Utah. They were running the equine program there where I was at. Um, and they started me down this road of, uh, this is part of my life. They, I made friends with them, and after treatment, we ended up doing a lot of stuff together. I volunteered for them, but they um, had been studying under a pro trainer by the name of Mike Bridges, which okay. then I got the opportunity to start working with Mike and spent 10 years going to different clinics with Mike. And all this time, it started getting me into this thought of horses make a difference in people's lives. Yeah, And then looking into the research um it's there's even more proof that that's a fact now yeah. i uh i uh just think that just being around them changes the way you feel yeah um i ended up getting clean and knew that part of because of my codependency uh-huh um I could no longer be part of the company I was part of. It was a family company. I'd been there 27 years. So I went back to school, um, left the company. It was a bad time to leave the company. It was 2008, and the next year the economy went to heck. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I actually got out, um, and because of my guilt over everything that I'd put my family through, I basically give that away um yeah and uh but i ended up with a lot of good things out of it too but then the next year i applied to the university of utah substance use disorder program they accepted me so i started down this road of becoming a substance abuse counselor um and it's been the absolute joy of my life yeah uh I knew for years that I was supposed to be working with people, that that's where my passion was. Um, But I was chicken to get there. And so once I've made that, that shift into helping people, life has been so much better and I've been really blessed. And my family would tell you that, the same especially my wife she is so grateful that we made the shift yeah i bet so you know it's as you know i know you love helping people d and i watch your passion with that here and everyone that talks about you knows that 
And it reminds me, I heard this from actually a client here at Wasatch. He shared this with the group and I, it's been tattooed on my brain ever since. And he said, he, he just got up and stood. He said, I tried to find myself, myself I could not see. I tried to find my God, my God eluded me. I tried to find my brother, I found all three. And, and, and really, I know how much faith in God means to you. I know how much you love helping others. Would you agree with that statement? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. When you help someone else, you're going to find a, your horizons open. Yeah. Um, I love that. It, it just opens your eyes. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it is when you're helping somebody else, your situation doesn't feel so dire. Yeah. Um, and you get out of your own head. Our head yeah. is our biggest enemy. So when you're going and helping somebody else, all of a sudden you're not thinking about all the shit you're going through. Right. Excuse the language. But you're thinking <laughs> okay. about this person yeah. you're helping. And all of a sudden you're free from that obsession yeah. to think about, the crap you're going through. Yeah, that's good. Good way of putting it. Um, yeah, I, you know, I say this often too. I'll say, if you master the first eleven steps of AA, you will drink again. If you master step twelve, you'll never touch another drop. I believe. And that. step twelve, for yeah. those who don't know, or it's giving back and helping Service. someone else, like you. Yep. And that's what you've dedicated your life ever since. And yep. You're so good at it. We mentioned this at the beginning. You have this gift, and for those who are listening. In treatment, what we do is we do this thing called process. And where it is is you get, typically we have 16 people at a time um, in, in a group. We're sitting in a circle and we process. And what that means is people are opening up, sharing their deepest, darkest traumas and, and secrets and things they've been through, stuff they would never share with anyone. And now they're asked to process through it so they can work through the trauma. You have such a gift, D. Like I've never seen someone get to someone and their core issue quicker than you do. Talk about this gift and talk about why and what you do is so important and so effective. I think the gift comes from my own stuff, Mm -hmm. um, partly. Okay. Because I I know what triggered. I've done a lot of self-introspection and I know some of the things that, I did that led me to an addictive personality and at times my depression, my anxiety. Yeah. And so part of it is that I see that in others. But realistically, Todd, there are times I'm sitting in a group and I'll hear this voice say, ask this, talk about this. And, and I'll often go, no, no, I'm not doing that. This <laughs> right. is in my own head. Right, right. But then I do, and I find, hey, this guy has been holding this for 50 years and yeah. never wanted to talk about it. And sometimes I'm wrong, but even asking a question yeah. starts a dialogue and gets people thinking, I'm willing, if I'm wrong about asking the question, and a person says, no. I might dig a little, but I said, well, if it's not, then what is the issue? Yeah. What is keeping you um, from forming good relationships? What is, I mean, you've been through three marriages now. What's going on that you keep 
yeah. pushing people away right. or just asking questions. So I think the God I believe in is invested in every one of us. And if we're open, we can all be a conduit to help somebody change. Yeah. And part of it's just being open with our own story, but not making a big deal out of what people yeah. say, right. accepting them for what they've been through. Yeah. I'm not, I've been through enough now. To, I'm not going to judge anybody. <laughs> right. I guarantee you, yeah. we all have warts. <laughs> We've all got struggles. Yeah. The person down the street that you look at every day and say they've got their life together, you don't know what's going on in their home. Oh, right. And you don't yeah. know what they've been through. Yeah. And so if you're judging people, quit, quit it. Yeah. And that. Usually, if you're judging others, you're about 10 times as harsh on yourself. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> if you can quit judging them, maybe you can quit judging yourself so yeah, harshly. Totally. Wow. Well, that's amazing. You know, and I know your your faith in God means a lot to you and you're not afraid to talk about it. I think that's the other thing that makes you really good at what you do is that and you're very respectful about it because you're like, hey, whatever higher power you may yeah. believe in, I know you're that way. But you're you're not afraid to say, hey, I I believe in God and God's helped me do this, this, and this. Yeah, you're very you know upfront with it. Yeah, and I try. I shame has kept us all sick. Yeah. So if we're sh sh feeling shame about something, the best way to get rid of that is to start talking about it with others. Yeah. And so I'm not going to be ashamed of the things that have changed my life. Right. You know, and so wow. that's part of it yeah. is I see a lot of people, they go to AA meetings, mm -hmm. but then when they go get about around family or friends, they don't talk about AA. Yeah. And early on, yeah, the first couple of years, I would go out and I knew I had to be open about stuff or I was going to get sick again. Right. And me and my wife would go to dinner and I'd start talking about some of the things I'd been through in treatment and the addiction and she was really uncomfortable. Yeah. And so I started clamming up and she realized really early that if if I couldn't talk about it I was going to be back in it. Yeah. And so um, together so, we've made this shift that we're open. The people that work for us, work with us. Yeah. Uh, just we're open about what we've been through. Yeah, I love that. If someone listening to this right now doesn't maybe understand what equine therapy is, do you mind just giving us a brief? Equine is using horses as a vehicle to get to issues. Okay. And, and um, if you've hung around horses a lot, in your life they have ways to talk through their body language yeah and when you you can start picking up on people's body language because you've learned to watch for a horse's body language so they kind of mirror yeah mirror what's going and, on and they will they'll mirror the person and um and you, if you're watching, you can see that, and then you can go talk to somebody about what's going on. Somebody's scared to death of them. It's as simple as you're really scared. Yeah. What's some of the other things you're scared of? Why does this 
horse scare you so much you know asking questions that help them get to their issues it's also a calming thing yeah the horses even though people are scared once they start brushing them and filling them they will come there's an outfit out of texas doing some work right now and they've Mm -hmm. actually proven that the biggest heart in a group of hearts helps the rest of the hearts in the area manage themselves really and the horses have the biggest heart of any animal almost and so all of a sudden you have this heart helping these people with high anxiety bring their heart rate down and so there's also some other stuff that it works with yeah Yeah. that's amazing i bet you've seen some pretty incredible shifts in people through this Yeah. yeah um Horses have helped a lot of people get to their stuff. Um, You know, it's kind of funny. One of the, I've only had a horse, I work really hard with my horses so they don't kick or do anything harmful to people. Right, yeah. In all my years, I've had one horse kick one person and another horse kick someone else. Mm -hmm. And if you'll ask the people, the first one absolutely knew he deserved to get kicked. (laughs) The second one, another guy had been working with the horse previously and was actually leading the horse. And instead of lashing out at him for his torment, he he just got confused and kicked the other guy. Gotcha. But um, the one that got kicked that knew he deserved it was a porn addict and objectified everything Mm. and he looked at this horse as an object and that horse was not going to be looked at as an object wow and it was pretty powerful actually (laughs) for the guy none of them were severe kicks they were more like okay i'm getting my space back you know yeah and uh but yeah it's it's kind of funny i got a horse that's a been through a lot of trauma and she will try to nibble at people uh-huh. she's never ever bit somebody hard but it gives me an opportunity to tell people to set bound she will not bite at me ever because she knows she's not going to get away with it yeah so that gives us an opportunity to to talk about boundaries yeah, with I the whole that. group yeah so some of the things that horses do that are not very functional if for a cowboy are really functional in groups because they give you a chance to talk about stuff that's going on with the horses and the people wow that's amazing horses are really are they're so intuitive um i don't know if you know jc dugard she was the woman who was kidnapped yeah and raped in his shed for 18 years okay and her therapy that changed her life was equine therapy and they talked about this mirroring technique where with her mind she would tell the horse to move and it would start to move and then with her mind she'd tell the horse to stop and basically what they were teaching her is that you're that powerful that you can you can tell this gigantic horse with just your thoughts to stop or move. Yeah. And anyway, it was teaching her that she's powerful. Yeah. No, know? absolutely. And yeah. if I, I, 
I do a lot of jumping out of the end of a lead line and different okay. things and somebody coming in that's five foot two and weighs <laughs> maybe a, you know a buck ten uh-huh. if she can get that horse to go around and 1500 pound horse to to jump something it's pretty powerful for yeah. sure and so yeah. i try to do things that allow people to see that they can get their power back yeah. and and use that to promote growth you yeah. know yeah. so love that well you know um i think i mean there's so much more we could talk about but i i think we've really covered your story and i love what you do we love you here at wasatch recovery i hope you know that um we do um because every time you come we have weeks and weeks of conversations of what was brought up, right? And so it really helps us a lot in so many ways. And and obviously the impact you have on the clients here has been fantastic. If there's someone listening to your voice right now who's listening to this episode and they're struggling and they're in a dark place, you've already given some good advice, but what would you tell that one person right now? reach out number one go find some people mm-hmm. um, you're a child of god and the god i believe in loves you and cares about what you've been through and wants you to know that he's there and available to help you even through the hardest stuff yeah and that help will come through the people that you acquaint yourself with in the future. Because probably right now the people you're around aren't going to be real helpful because they're angry, frustrated, hurt, whatever. Right. But I'll promise you that, that, that God will send somebody to be there for you. It's happened to me numerous times. Somebody's coming, one fellow come and knocked on the door and said, I'm supposed to come and visit with you, D. I don't know why. I did. Yeah. Because I was ready to go blow my life up again. Yeah. You know, and and I truly believe you can call it the universe, you can call it God. The there is a power out there greater than ourselves that wants us to succeed. But, yeah. Todd, there's also the opposite power. Yeah. If we haven't learned anything over years, that uh, there are opposites. Yeah. And we got to start tying in the, the power of positivity, the power of love. And we find that going to peop- with people that will accept us yeah. and love us. Wow. Very well said. The law of opposites. Yep. It's, it's there and there's powers on both sides. And, you know, when we're trapped in that negative power and it's really seems like sometimes it's difficult to get out. And I, and I think what you said, too, sometimes we're an answer to someone else's prayer. So that prompting you may have to reach out to D, listen to the prompting and act on it. Even if you're like, well, I'm not sure why I need to go see D, yeah. but you knew why, like you said. Yeah. So I think that's a really good part of your message as well. Is Thank you. If you ever feel prompted, you listening, that I should go talk to so-and-so, 
do it, even if they're like, oh, no, thanks for reaching out and it's nothing, but at least you did it. But you never know that one time when, like D, saved you from blowing up your life again. And it might be for you. Yeah. Maybe the reason you're going to talk to somebody is to get out of your own head. Yeah. I think that, Todd, our heads are thinking is our greatest enemy. I agree. And so finding a way to free ourselves from the obsession of the mind. Yeah. My mind is not too friendly to me most of the time. (laughs) Well, I love what you said early on in our episode. You said, if my hands are busy, my my mind is quiet. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of truth to that one. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, Dee, I I can't thank you enough for spending some time with me today. I know you're a busy man, and you're here at Wasatch, and you're going to do your magic today with our clients (laughs) and share your gift. That's a better way of saying it, uh, which it truly is a gift. and. It's, a, it's my gift and blessing that I get to sit here with you face-to-face thank you. and have this opportunity. So thank you for doing this yeah. today. You're welcome. And if you want me to, I'd love to come back and do a little more on thinking. Let's do it. Stuff. I um, would love it. I, and I our, About our mind, okay. you know. We'll we, do it. Okay. We will do it, D. You have my word. If someone wants to reach out to you, D, and they want to get involved with your equine therapy and or they want to do counseling with you, What's the best way for them to do that? Because um, <laughs> I specialize in big groups in the last few years because I, have a, I haven't been doing some individual oh, stuff. Okay. But um, I didn't know this question was coming. So, um, hey, probably, I, stump, I stumped D. I yeah, can't believe there it. there you go. Probably <laughs> the best way is... is, is uh, Look on my website. My phone number's there. And your website is? Um, Healing with Horses. And my number's on there. You can call me. Okay. Yeah. My phone number, 435-230-0188. Text me first. I don't answer calls <laughs> I don't know. Yep, text them. But text me, yep. and I'll text you back, and then yeah. we'll go from there. Beautiful. We'll put your uh, website in the show notes when we go live with this. And so people will be able to just click on the link and get to your website as well. But uh, yeah, I challenge anyone to, especially if you have big groups that want to do an equine session, it would be amazing. You guys would love it. It's, it truly is amazing. Like, you know, he, he, he processes you guys for a minute and then he takes you through this horse training and healing. It's amazing. And you, even if you did it as a family unit, it would be really cool. But uh, please reach out to him. And Some if, of the best ones I've done have been with families. I bet. Yeah. I can imagine. Well, and then if you have anyone that's struggling that you know of, if you have a son or a daughter who's struggling, share this episode with them breaks the ice. If you're not sure what to even say to him, say, hey, listen to D, listen to what he says, and then follow back up with him and say, hey, what'd you think? And then just say, is there anything I can do to help you? And maybe, you know, you guys can set up something with D or you can reach out to me and I'll get you in line with D. So anyway, I love you guys. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to my sponsors, you guys. Thanks for believing in me. I can't tell you how much it means. Thanks to God, the universe, whatever you think it is for you. But there is, a, I agree with Dee, there's a power greater than us that wants us to succeed. Beautifully said, Dee. Love you, and thanks for tuning in. Thanks.